This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 228. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hood. And if this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, welcome and thank you for giving this show a chance. Everything on this show is all about how do you take those creative skills that you've honed and developed and put blood, sweat, and tears and even money developing and growing and getting better at as a creative? How do you take those skills and then turn it into a six-figure or multiple six-figure and beyond business? That is the entire thesis of the show. That's why it's around. And, and that's why uh, hopefully you're, you're checking the show out to give it a chance. If you are a returning listener and you've listened to the show over the last few months at least, then you've kind of been following along with what I've been up to on my travels. My wife and I went to Southeast Asia for the past couple months. It was a 66-day trip total. And you can see, and maybe here if you're listening to the show, you can see I'm back home finally. I'm in my studio. I've got my lighting around. I've got my nice setting and my background and everything. It's really nice considering that the last episode that you heard from me, I was literally lounging on a beanbag <laughs> on the hotel floor because that was the only like decent seating I had in the entire place because there was no chair. It was either the bed or is it beanbag? Or is it a day bed in the window? So I'm back home now. I'm finally like trying to get over the jet lag. It was like a 31, 32 hour flight from Singapore. That's where we flew out of, although we were only in Singapore for like four or five days. Gorgeous city, by the way. Like me and my wife, that was actually a huge surprise by how much we actually loved it and can't wait to go back to Singapore. Uh, but we spent about 30 days in Bali, but split between two cities. And we spent another like 30 something days in uh, Thailand, actually, but split between multiple cities there. But we had like a 30 something hour flight from Singapore to Japan to Houston, and then to Nashville. And that was all during, we left actually on Thanksgiving day. And then we got home that Friday afterwards. And that's with a 12 hour time zone difference. So jet lag, crazy trying to get over that right now, waking up at like 4am. My biological clock is going crazy and has no idea what's going on. This week is going to be a replay episode. And before you tune out or turn it off, and maybe you've heard every single episode on the show, if you're a longtime listener, but these replay episodes are some of the most important episodes sometimes for a lot of you because there's a quote I love by Alex Hermosi. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast, so you may be familiar with him, but he has this quote that stuck with me. It's, we need to be reminded more than we need to be taught. And these replay episodes are a great way for you to have some of these, these episodes that I think are, are either hidden gems or maybe they're sometimes are our most popular episodes, but these things that we need to be reminded of again and again. So I try to make these at least six months old or beyond. And this show is actually that I'm pulling from our backlog is from April earlier this year. And this is one that I actually, as part of our client acquisition series, it was supposed to be, but never actually got added to it. This is the lost client acquisition episode because I titled it something so clever. But this is something that I literally this morning was looking through our backlog and figuring out which one I wanted to select for this replay episode. But this is one that I watched the entire thing all the way through and I was the entire time shaking my head. Yes, I need to be reminded of this as well. And without this one thing that we're going to talk about on this episode, you do not have a client acquisition machine. You will not get clients. And if you're struggling to get clients who will pay you more, this one thing we're going to talk about in this episode is the key to unlocking bigger, better projects. If you are charging like nickels and dimes, this doesn't matter as much. But if you're trying to charge a lot, the more you charge, actually, the more you need the thing we're going to talk about on the episode today. So I'm not going to drag out this intro anymore. I've got other things to do today to kind of, this is my first Monday back in the States after 60 something days of travel. I will be back at it with either a guest or a, my substitute co-host, Mark, again, which too is on this episode, a recurring co-host on this show. But without further delay, here's my conversation with Mark Eckert. Today's episode, I think is going to be a great one. Me and Mark planned out a really, really good episode today that I think is going to be relevant for any of our audience right now who is stuck in that four to five figure range, meaning you are earning 
not enough to be full-time, maybe really not even enough to be a, a strong part-time. And you're trying to, to find that, I don't know what you would call it, the secret, which is, I hate that word, the secret, the secret. to success. Yes, the secret to success. It doesn't really work that way, but, but we're going to talk about this. We have a, we have a bunch of stuff uh, planned today, but really like this has been, the thing we're going to talk about today has been the secret. I'm going to use that word. I'm just going to, I'm going to get a double down. It's the secret, the secret It's the secret of my success. It's the secret of Mark's success. It's what we've built both of our businesses. Actually all of our, we both have multiple businesses, all of our businesses on the backbone of this thing. And anyone struggling in the four to five figure range does not have this thing. You are struggling with this thing, whether you know it or you, or you don't know it. And that thing, don't turn it off. I swear you're going to, we're going to explain this. That thing is trust. If you are struggling right now, you don't have enough clients to hire you. You're not getting the rates you, you know you deserve or the rates that I tell you you deserve because you probably deserve more than you're getting paid, whether you believe you do or you, or, you, or you don't. You don't have trust with the person who's going to hire you because anytime someone is making a hiring decision for whatever service you offer, they have the same question in their head that anyone has in their head when they're looking to hire somebody. And that is, is blank the right person for me? Is Mark the right person for me? Is Good Fortune Media the right person to launch our podcast? Is 456 Recordings the right studio to mix our album? Is Mark Eckert the right person to do my dark indie pop record? I'm just using examples from me and Mark's businesses. Anytime someone has this thought, they're either going to say yes or no. And for most of you right now, you're sitting there, you don't have enough clients to fill your calendar because the answer is no. They do not trust that you are the right person for them. And today we're going to talk about building trust with your ideal client so that the no's turn into yeses and that trust is built so that you can scale your business, get out of the day job that's sucking your soul away. And yeah, Mark, I'm excited for this one today. We are going to work on how you can get out of your shitty day job by building trust with people who are already looking at your accounts or new people who might discover you. Yeah. So, cause again, getting clients, and this kind of goes back to just client acquisition principles. If you're trying to get clients, there's two parts to it. One is them even being aware you exist, that's, that's the hardest part for a lot of people. But once that awareness occurs, trusting that you are the right decision for them is the even harder part to make happen. Because like, it's one thing to, like, to throw a Super Bowl ad out of the world and spend millions of dollars on it for your freelance business. But if they don't, none of those people trust you, that it doesn't matter how much awareness you have. So at the end of the day, we're trying to do two things with, with what we're doing today and we're going to talk about today. We're trying to create awareness for your freelance services and at the same time, build trust. And we're going to do that today through the thing that everyone knows about, the thing you're actually consuming right now, but no one wants to actually do. And that is something called content marketing. And before you turn this episode off, I just want to state that content marketing is the number one way to build trust with people, especially at scale. There's actually two ways to build trust. One is one-to-one. I'm going to go to networking events and meet people one by one, or I'm going to go to concerts if I'm a producer looking for uh, musicians to hire me, or I'm going to go to whatever, like one-to-one connections that takes time. It's, it's hard to do, especially if your people skills are lacking, which a lot of people, but the second way is through content. It's a one-to-many and that it, to me is always the better answer because as a business owner, my job isn't to go around and meet clients all day long. My job is to, to actually fulfill the services that I'm offering. And I, and I do this and I've, and I've been doing this for a long time. Same with you, Mark, is I do this through creating content. Now, Mark and I have both completely different approaches to content marketing. We're going to talk about that today. But I first want to talk about something, Mark, that I think is holding so many people back right now more than anything is the belief that they, they do not believe that they are qualified to create content around anything. Mark, do you want to talk about that for a second? Because I feel like this is an area that, that you can speak on a bit as someone who is bad at what they do and still makes content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. That's a joke. That's a joke. No, 
it isn't. I am bad at what I do, but I'm good at making content. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. So I think the biggest problem, as you said, is like there's kind of just a belief in yourself that you are qualified to do anything as far as what you want to do. So like if you are working a shitty day job and you want to be a photographer, you feel somehow unqualified to talk about photography because you're not doing it full time. If you want to produce full time, but you have a shitty day job, you feel not qualified to talk about producing because you're not doing it full time. The whole point is it doesn't matter if you're doing it full time. You are good at a craft and you are much further ahead than the vast majority of the people. I think creatives by and large are naturally a little bit insecure because creativity as a whole is subjective. Like you can't just say something's good or bad. It's all opinion based. So at the end of the day, you have to believe you have to have an opinion in yourself that you're good enough to make content. And chances are you are, because if you can teach one person, one thing, or you're one hour ahead of somebody else in your craft, there's so much that people can gain from that. So you are qualified. There is nothing wrong with that. And you shouldn't be insecure about that whatsoever. Yeah. So it's, it's one thing to hear that and another thing to actually apply that to yourself. So I, I just want people to understand like what Mark said is true. There's a, an old thing that I heard a, a while back that you only need to be one chapter ahead of everyone else. And this is the same in like in, in, in school, like teachers just read the chapter ahead when they're teaching their class. But it's the same, like if you're one hour ahead, one chapter ahead, uh, one day ahead, one book ahead. Honestly, if you read one book or take one course, you're going to be about nine, you're going to be ahead of like 99% of people about the subject. So to me, I don't look at whether I'm qualified or not. I'm just looking like almost, we're going to talk about this later on, but like almost just documenting as you go. Like as I learn something, I want to talk about it. As I consume something, Thing, I want to talk about it. The bottom line is you don't have to be the expert on the subject to talk about it. And I, f- I feel like, again, this is the thing that holds so many people back to create any sort of content is this huge fear of looking stupid or imposter syndrome. And again, just reading one book or one YouTube video, even like, man, I could go on YouTube right now, Mark, and I could pick any subject that I know nothing about Let's just like lock picking. I, I saw a lock picking lawyer video. You've seen those on, on the internet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, they get recommended to me now because I watched one of them. And like, I could watch like three or f- like, hell, even one video on lock picking for beginners. And I could start creating content around that on some other platform, whether it's a YouTube video, another YouTube video, just basically ripping it off. I, I wouldn't recommend that. Or just sharing it on Instagram on a story or a reel. Something I just learned today on lock picking is just doing this one thing here is like the trick to actually picking most locks. It's the 80-20 of lock picking. Like I don't have to be an expert to share content around certain things. Yeah. And I think like another thing with that, as far as like being, you know, one chapter ahead or something, if if there's anybody who's thinking, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not enough or whatever. I think a big thing is if you have a day job, right? If you are, if you have a nine to five and you have a boss, right? You are trained every single day that you are not qualified to do something, right? You only do this. You're not allowed to do this. If you do that, you know, you might screw it up and you don't have approval. And that's just like not how people who are self-employed operate. You don't have to have permission to do this. That's the thing is like, we're giving you permission, but as as someone who's self-employed, you don't have to wait around for someone to tell you that it's okay to do this. Like you have at any point the ability and the permission to go create content for this. And we can talk about later on what sort of content, what platforms, what makes the most sense. But at the end of the day, creating something that shows that you are at least in your client's eyes, an expert, whether or not you believe you're an expert, it builds trust. And that trust is what helps someone determine if you were the right fit for them or not. 
just think about this again from a holistic perspective. We're not creating content just to be some guru on the internet, to be the cringy guy in his garage talking about how much more valuable knowledge is than my Ferrari. We're doing this to build trust with our ideal clients. And if you come at it from the perspective of, I'm not the expert, I'm not the guru, I am merely someone who is passionate about this subject and I love talking about it, that is, again, such a better place to come from because if you mess up, you can own it. You can say, oh, you know what? I was so, I was so wrong about this and here's actually the way it is. I, I was wrong about this, but you know, because I'm constantly learning, you can actually turn it around and flip it as someone who is open to learning new things, open to being wrong. And people are attracted to that type of person. Yeah. And I think another thing regarding trust, it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, Brian, Mark, trust isn't necessarily a huge deal. I, I feel insecure in my product or whatever. Again, with kind of having in the creative world, there being subjective viewpoints on any creative thing, any business, whatever. Some of the biggest businesses in the world are invested in specifically because of trust. Warren Buffett literally you know, invested in Coca-Cola and he, him and uh, his partner, Charlie Munger, they state multiple times, it's a good business, but we just know it's going to be here because people recognize it. Geico, are they the best insurance? I don't know, but you know of them because they make themselves aware to everybody. You can't go on a single highway without seeing Geico. You can't go anywhere in the world without seeing Coca-Cola. So building brand trust, building trust with people, letting people know that you do a certain thing makes them more comfortable with giving their money to you. Yeah. And so just to be completely clear there, Geico is buying trust because they're buying billboards, they're buying ads, and they're buying that trust. We, we don't have that freedom as solo freelance entrepreneurs. So the only way to compete with that, to build that sort of trust is to earn it. And you earn it through content. To me, there's no other way to do it than through content. You can, unless you want to spend money on ads, you can do it that way, which is expensive. And most people don't have the technical ability and the know-how to actually effectively do that. So the only other way is earning it. And you can earn it one-to-one, like I said, or you can earn it one-to-many and that's through creating content. So I think there's a couple things worth talking about around this where, again, we're, we're kind of talking about that, that innate fear of people saying, I'm not qualified to create content. We still need to, to kind of dissect this a little bit more and say uh, a couple of things. When you're just starting this out, the most important part about creating content is to get those small wins early on. Just get a post up of some sort, whether it's a YouTube video, whether it's an Instagram story, whether it's an Instagram reel, TikTok post, whatever your content platform you've decided in a podcast episode, whatever you do, try to get early feedback and quick wins from people in, that surround you. And if you're not surrounded, by the way, if you're not surrounded by people who will give you positive feedback, if you have bad coworkers or friends or family around you who do not support you, You've got to you've got to change your your surroundings, and I, and I think an easy place, Mark. Maybe you agree or disagree. I think an easy place, literally, go to our Facebook community. Go to sixfigurecreative.com/slash/community. That'll forge you to our Facebook community, and in that community, you can post whatever content you were you're you're trying to get those small wins, and you can get feedback from people. and And hopefully, our community is not toxic. I know that, but hopefully, they'll give you some what I call the uh, the shit sandwich. It is a compliment followed by constructive feedback, if there is any followed by one more compliment. That's the way all feedback should be given in our community. So that's me training you. But that's a great way place to get that first quick win because that's what builds confidence to then actually put it on the internet to the mass market. Otherwise, you're going to sit on this content forever. You're not going to post it anywhere because of the fear. Mark, did you have any fears around this when you first started posting or what did you do when you first started putting content on the internet? Absolutely. When I first started posting content, you know, early on when I, you know, just started producing 
for a living and was really going for it, I had to really kind of get rid of the idea that I was annoying people online or that uh, what I was doing maybe wasn't good. So yeah, I got a lot of feedback from a lot of, of my friends. But the biggest thing, which I don't think you necessarily mentioned, is actually posting it online like to your audience and getting feedback, not just to a community who's going to you know give you critique, but like just putting it out there. There's going to be times where you post something and it might be a little scary, but I sw- as soon as somebody says like, thank you, this really helped me. Oh, this is so cool. Whatever. And you start a conversation with somebody, you realize in a way, content marketing, the way that I try to approach any kind of marketing, whether it's for production or that pitch, whatever it is, I try to always make sure our marketing is inherently a little philanthropic. We're just trying to help people as much as we can. I don't think, you know, when people talk about content marketing, they're like, oh, I'm going to annoy people, whatever. If you're annoying somebody, they're going to unsubscribe like that. And they're not going to. They're going to be like, wow, this person's doing this thing. And again, enjoy and really pat yourself on the back if one person reaches out and says thank you or this helped or whatever. Yeah. And uh, just to add to that, I do the same thing, Mark. Like I already have an audience. So if I'm trying something new, I'll send feedback requests. Like I'll send it out to our audience to get feedback at a small scale before I launch it to something bigger. But I'm talking to people that don't have even that. They have no audience yet. To do, like if you have no audience, like you're just launching your Instagram or TikTok account, or you're just launching a brand new podcast or a new blog or a new YouTube account, like YouTube channel, that's where we come to those people like our community to get feedback so that you can have that confidence to put it out to the real world. Because again, it's the small win. Even one positive piece of feedback from that, what I call the, the, the shit sandwich, those two positives on the outside of the sandwich are going to be enough to get you to post it publicly so that you can start building an audience so that later on you can start testing new things with that audience that you've built. So let's move on to the next uh, issue that I think people have when trying to create content to build trust with their ideal clients. So they don't know what to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. What am I going to post? Like I have to post like 30 times a day. Like tick. I mean, man, let me, let me go ahead and just say one thing. Forget what the norms say. Like if you, if you study like TikTok, for example, they say post like four times a day or like six times a day or whatever. I don't know what it is. I've seen my wife build her account. She's got over 13, 14,000 followers now on TikTok and she posts like once a day. So like she, she doesn't even follow those best practices and she's doing great on there. Our account, we do post more frequently because I've hired a freelancer to do it for me. I'm not posting four times a day, but we do post about four times a day on there. But all that to say, like you can make your own schedule first and foremost. So you don't have to adhere to some really strict, rigid, ridiculous schedule if it feels overwhelming, because that's, that's a big thing that I want to make sure it's out of the way before we even talk about what content to talk about or what to create. There's a few different things that you said that I want to bring back up. You said, when you post content, Mark, you want it to be philanthropic. You want it to help people. I'm the same way. It's, it's the way I'm like wired as I, I'm not, I'm not a great storyteller. I kind of just get to the facts. Some people love that. Some people don't. Most people resonate more with the story side of things. And that's an area I'm trying to work on. I like your facts, Bri. For example, back on episode 175 of the podcast, we had Rachel Greenman on the show from Green Chair Stories. The title of the episode is The Six Figure Creatives Guide to Copywriting for Freelancers. She posts Instagram reels and all of her content is like mostly just comedy. She's just a funny person. And, and so you don't always have to create how to, as long as you're like entertaining people, 
it's st- it still builds trust. Like if you think about like a copywriter for her specific service, she has a ton of photographers that follow her and a lot of her content is comedy around photography and that builds a relationship. There is some sort of like value add stuff that she does sometimes to build the trust factor. But a lot of times if people just like you, that automatically builds trust. So you don't have to do always how-to content, but let's talk about again, how to determine what you need to talk about. One note we have here in our outline, Mark, that I just want to read is shifting your mindset from I only care about what I'm passionate about to I only care about helping a specific group of people. I think that's an area a lot of anyone trying to launch content to put regular content on the internet who's struggling with understanding what to create has to make that mindset shift of instead of only caring about what I'm passionate about, instead of only caring about what I want to learn, think about it from the perspective of my ideal client. What do they need to know in order to trust me? Yeah. So I think the main thing is anytime you are, you know, if you're just doing something as a hobby, that's fine. You can kind of post whatever. But if you're trying to build a business, what is a business inherently? Like, let's think at the base core, a business is a vehicle that people give you money for you to solve a problem for them. That is it. That's like the most basic concept of business. People trade dollars for you to solve something. So while it's incredibly important that you are passionate about what you're doing, what's extremely important is that you are letting people know that you help solve their problem in some way. And that way can come up in a lot of different ways. You're not going to say, hey, have you had a problem finding a, a recording engineer? You should use me. No, it's sometimes people just want somebody who kicks ass at a specific thing. If you're a photographer and headshots are really easy for you or something, then just post content talking about how you love doing headshots and how you love doing portraits or something like that. If you're a producer, talk about a specific genre you kick ass in. But the the main thing is that a group of people resonate with your posts and they say, oh, that person is for me. That is the most important thing is that they are both passionate about that and I, I connect with this person. That's great. And once you can kind of facilitate that, no matter what, everybody's going to just kind of think of you for that specific thing. And you can kind of just create content always involving that. And that was how you got your start as a music producer, man. You were posting content all the time about indie pop production, which was the niche that you were a part of. And basically, I mean, honestly, you were just kind of documenting as you went. You weren't doing like anything crazy. You were just saying like, today I'm doing this thing and this is what I had on. Like this, this is what I'm working on. This is what it sounds like. Blah, 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 blah. Like talk about your, your content approach when you were doing indie pop production full time. Yeah, literally, I would document anytime I was making a record. And if I was making a record, I would make multiple pieces of content too. And the whole thing is I would just post these tracks, just like literally a video of me, you know, or not of even of me. I would literally do a video of the computer with the speakers playing in the back. Be like, oh my God, this record rips. I, I, you know, love making this kind of music. I would say indie pop or synth pop, whatever. And then I would just make a simple call to action of, Hey, if you're working on your record or you're thinking about working on your next single, reach out to me. You could DM me or click the link in my bio. And I just did that every day. And so what kind of happened over time is I became the go-to person for this. And what's really interesting is, you know, at the time I didn't have any real credits. I was really just working with my friends or just a couple of local clients, but that kind of built online and because I was known as like the indie pop or synth pop guy, you know, over time, bigger artists from other, you know, labels and, you know, engineers started reaching out to me. And then I started getting credits on way bigger records because 
I was known as the guy who did this specific kind of thing. So I went from a bedroom producer, really didn't have any credits. I wasn't making any real great money at the time to everybody knew me as the indie pop synth pop guy and then hip hop producers and engineers. You know, I now have a credit with future and little baby and Russian and, you know, because I made a specific kind of dirty synth pop sound. So those guys would reach out to me because they knew I did that specific thing. That got me way bigger credits than I ever thought I'd be on. Yeah. I mean, now you're what a multi-platinum producer. What is the official credit? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a multi-platinum producer. And I, that wasn't even my goal originally, which is funny, but it's kind of cool how like that ends up when everybody knows you for one thing. So that's one approach is just documenting as you go. And a lot of times like those little tips and tricks, while it's not necessarily to me, it's a, it's a really tough balance because a lot of that stuff gets too nerdy. And so when you get really nerdy, the only other people you're attracting are people like you, not your ideal clients. And that's the, that's not really the area you want to be. Cause now you just have a bunch of followers of other people, just like you, other photographers or other music producers in your, in your case, Mark. So the way I always try to air is on the side of like, any content I create, even if it's documenting what I'm doing, needs to be from the perspective of what's in it for my client. Not for me, not for other nerdy producers. No one cares about the settings I use in my compressor. None of that shit matters. It's what is the cool thing that's relevant to my ideal client. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. Yeah. If you're, if you're a producer, for instance, you know, instead of talking about like all these presets and you're like, oh, I'm going to make a tutorial or, you know, whatever, talk about 
If you're a vocalist, this is the best way to get your take. Five tips to get your best take that I've noticed while I'm in the studio. We get the absolute best takes. There's no pops. Like it sounds great. They always have a great performance. You know how to set the room, how to set the vibe, whatever you want. Just make sure it's helping them. And then I also want to kind of break into something while we're on it. The main point of all of this is if you are stuck at a nine to five and everybody knows you as the dude who's working at the juice bar or whatever, the whole point is that you are what, what content marketing, what anything does, right? If you go into the history of marketing and advertising, it is literally just kind of either changing the opinion or changing the view of the public on a thing. So if you are posting every day saying you do this specific thing, the point is that you are really creating an identity for yourself to the public. It's a brand. You're building a brand. Yeah. But when people identify you with this one thing and you are the first thing that pops up in their head, when you think of car insurance, save 10% on or whatever by switching to Geico, you just have that in the back of your head. You know, I mean, it's, that's what you're going for. Yeah. So you had built the brand as the go-to indie pop producer. Uh, and now you have other content for your other businesses and I'm the same way. And, and man, if I would have like, think about this, like in 2008, which was the year before I started my studio, it was my second or third year working at GameStop, which is a video game store here in the U S I was earning, I had, I had moved up. I'd started at $5 and 15 cents an hour. And I'd moved up to $5 and 50 cents an hour in those two years. And after that, I, I just quit the job and went straight into the studio. The problem with that is like people came into the store every day. Friends saw me like that was their identity in my, in their brains as, oh, he's the guy that works at GameStop. That, that was like their, their view of me. Now I also had a band at the time. So that was actually probably more of my identity than the GameStop thing. A lot of you don't have that. You're going straight from day job as a whatever to now you're trying to be this business owner. Switching identities is a very difficult thing, especially if you have, if you're doing nothing on content. So this is, again, this is all part of that approach of rebuilding your brand from the guy who worked at the video game store earning five fifty an hour with the wildly inappropriate boss, 10 years older than him who uh, sexually harassed him. Now that you look back on it and th- that was literally stuff that was happening to me. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand at the time to now, like I make content just about every day or every, every, every few days I'm creating some piece of content that shapes my brand for all my businesses. And I, I, this podcast is a huge foundational part of the, the six figure creative as a brand and as a business. And so like, this is, this is, again, this is all a huge, huge driver of my business. And as you grow, you know, your identity is going to refine and then shift. You know, for instance, everybody knew me as the indie pop producer. And then I started thatpitch.com, which we license everybody's music. And so now everybody knows me as the sync licensing guy or the music executive or something like that. And people are like, yeah, so what's your background? And I'm like, I'm a multi-platinum producer. And they're like, what? It's, it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, people will change their view over time. And, you know, at the start, you know, because I think everyone ends up in music for very, you know, insecure reasons or whatever. You're just like, oh man, people know me as this thing, but I want them to know me as this thing. But even before producing, I was the drummer. Well, yeah. So this is, this actually really goes perfectly back to episode 185 and 186. We had a two-part a series called The Six Levels of Freelancing. This is like, you've done the exact same thing that, that me and Chris did, which is like, we started at the bottom. Now we're here. No, we started at the bottom and we, we, we made our identity and our name in a specific area. And then we built that, we built up the levels and now at level six, and there's even a level seven, if you listen to the episode series, we've, we've kind of graduated from just simple freelancer to, to multi-business owners now. And, and we, we've built the foundation under us that, that sustained that. We've built a really healthy foundation and content is a huge pillar on that overall foundation that if it wasn't there, it wouldn't work. 
So let's move on to the final thing here. I think this is the, the, the final like big elephant in the room to talk about when creating content. And God, I, I tell you like my specific coaching students, this is a big one for them. If, if, if content's the, the route we go with them, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do this. Mark, we were, we were playing this episode out. You put this, you put this banger of a line in here. You need to replace consumption with production. As someone who listens to like multiple podcast episodes a day, this resonated with me. Now I, I will say this, I listen to it on walks. So I, I can't really create content while I'm walking. I guess I could, but it's, it's still like I'm, I'm consuming a ton of content every day. And if I were struggling with time, I would say, well, maybe I should replace some of that consumption with, with production. But Mark, we're going to do a little fun challenge here. I think I invite anyone in our audience to do this as well. If you're on an iPhone, I think, Apple, I think Android phones probably have this as well. Uh, search for screen time, open up screen time, look at your week <laughs> and, and you can do categories if you want, but I'd actually prefer showing apps and websites, Mark. And we're going to look at last week's averages. So I'll give my numbers first. Mark, you can give your numbers next. My last week's average was two hours, nine minutes a day. My top app was Gmail with two hours and 26 minutes for the week. Number two was messages, an hour and a half. Number three was Chrome with an hour and 23 minutes. And then number four was RSS radio, which is my podcast app with one hour, 21 minutes. But by the way, that's wildly inaccurate because I definitely listen to way more. I think it doesn't track it if the app is not open, like actively on your phone. But then we get to social media. I don't know about you, Mark. I'm curious what your social consumption is, but Facebook is an hour, 11 minutes last week total, not per day, but just total. And Instagram was 43 minutes and TikTok is way down there for 18 minutes last week. Right. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to think this is hilarious. So my business is built, you know, all of my businesses are built from, you know, content online, everything, right? As far as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're not even on my phone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like I've, I've completely removed it. No. And then on my, on the Chrome, like, or, or Safari, just like as far as having access to Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, I actually have a limiter for an hour in total for the day. And my wife, she has the passcode. So I can't even go past it. Actually, no, no, no. They're blocked. They're blocked entirely. Sorry. If I download the app, I have an hour, but yeah. So my daily average is, this is a lot. It's four hours and 45 minutes, but productivity and finance is three hours and 29 minutes of that. But yeah, messages were the top two hours and 23 minutes, which I understand. Cause you actually spend a lot of time, like actually messaging people. Yeah. WhatsApp is two hours and 19 minutes. We have a lot of international enterprise clients and they just like to talk on, you know, WhatsApp. Chrome is two hours, and 11 minutes. Gmail is an hour 33. YouTube's an hour 20. So there there's, I was going to say of all of that, you spent an hour and 20 minutes consuming content last week. Yeah. I let, I actually, you can see this. So, well, you're going to love this. The background of my phone. You ready for this? Can you see this? Can you, is it backwards? Yes, it says keeps your blind. No, it's not backwards. Keep your blinders on. It says for anyone wa not watching on YouTube right now. Here's my background on my phone. It's it's blurry because it's not autofocus, but it just says be fully present. <laughs> okay, so we're both basically like block things out. <laughs> I love that. We're we're doing this exercise for one. This is probably making for terrible content. Doesn't matter. The whole point of this is to show like if you look at your phone and your consumption of social media or other platforms of of content is extraordinarily high and you're producing no content, then you have no excuse. You need to swap that from consuming all this content to now start producing some. Cause like, like I said, I could go watch one YouTube video or listen to one podcast episode that would give me enough content for probably at least a few days, maybe a week of small form content on social media, or at least my one week YouTube video or one week of podcast content. Like it took, I mean, it took me and Mark 15 minutes to plan out this episode. It's not a ton of time. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of just goes to say it's like if you can just find all of the bullshit in your life (laughs) and replace it with something good, you know, everybody you look up to is a producer in some I'm not saying audio producer, but like everybody you look up to creates things. They're prolific. They make a lot of things. They're not consuming things and waiting for judgment and just wasting time. That's the only difference between you and your goals. It builds trust, you know, as we were talking about, but it overall that just results. The byproduct of that is you grow a a great business for yourself. Yeah. And this is uh, here's here's just step by step how to Brian coming out without the stories for some actionables on this. If you don't have time to do this, first step is to just make time. It's just like anything. You're, you don't have time to go to the gym. You make time. You don't have time to read. You make time to create content. You don't have time. You make time. So that's the first step is just making time by sacrificing something else. It's usually consuming content. If we, if we didn't even do like Netflix, if you were to look at like how much time you spend on Netflix during the week or other like stuff at night or weekends, it's probably many, many hours. But step two of this, as far as actual steps is to build out a system for content creation. Mark, you have a system for content creation, don't you? Yeah. So my whole thing for content creation is put time aside. And I consider it kind of like a business development time. I literally create a system in which I don't have to have any critical thinking. So I have very busy days as I'm, as I'm sure you do, Brian, as I'm sure everybody here has a busy day, whether you have a nine to five or you're full-time already, you got busy days. So the whole thing is make sure that you don't have to think about it. So create a tasks or a couple of tasks, you know, it could be film video on this subject and you can just have, uh, you know, a couple buckets of different subjects. The second one post to Instagram. Number three caption should say this, you know, and you just repeat that over and over and you can have variations of the caption, but the whole point is you don't have to think about it. You're just following directions. Yeah. You were going to, you're going to be, way better off just posting with a system, even if it's not perfect, than to sit around and dabble all day trying to get this perfect post up and spend a hundred hours doing a video and like get the perfect caption and find the perfect time to post. If you just make regular content and post it, even if it's half-assed, honestly, like even if it's half-assed, it will still do better than not posting content at all. Um, So that's the first thing is like create a system. Next is create the content. And so like, there's a few ways to create the content. We don't have a ton of time to go over this because Mark has to go, but Mark has a hard cut off three minutes ago. (laughs) That's fine. We got some time. It's fine. I just want to talk about this really quick. To actually create the content, there's a few different approaches that you have around content creation. And this all works for different types of people. Option one is to batch the content, meaning you create, let's just say an entire month's content or your entire week's content on one day. Option two is to create a routine around your content. So for me, this podcast, there's a routine around it for the YouTube video that I was doing for a long time and cut off for other reasons we talked about a few episodes back. The YouTube video was a a routine. I work way better in a routine setting where I can just have something recurring on my calendar every week that I have, that I I know I can look forward to. I know this, the, the routine around it. I work much better in routine. I don't do well in batching. And then the third option, and this is a little more advanced, this is what um, I'm doing more of and Mark already does a lot of, is a team. You have a team who does as much of it as possible so that you can literally just show up, shoot the video or make the content or make the batch or whatever it is, and then hand it off to your team to do literally everything for you. That's a little more advanced, but that's the ultimate goal around content creation because as you get bigger, as you get more clients, as your content catches on, as you actually build an audience of people who care about you, and trust you and hire you, you're going to have less and less time to do the content. So you have to reinvest money into building the team. Well, I, I kind of want to go back to the routine thing too. The routine can be a schedule, but it could also just be a place that you'll find yourself in. So like 
I don't work well with a schedule at all. Like my team constantly gets annoyed at me because like, unless it's like a sales call or, you know, if, you know, if it's like a podcast or something I'm doing weekly and it involves other people, that's fine. But if it's a schedule and I'm the only person there, I'm probably, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So what you could do is what's a place that you find yourself in. If you're in the studio, like in the recording studio, if you're in a photography studio, if you're doing whatever, what you can do is you can actually batch content during that time. Again, these don't have to be huge productions. They can be 15 second videos, 25 second videos, pictures, whatever. And you can get a bunch of content. And if you're there constantly, you can kind of batch it while you're just documenting being in a certain place. I think that that's been, that's really worked well for me because that's just how my brain works. If I just sit down and say, okay, Mark, it's, you know, 9am you have to make however much content during this time. I'm probably just going to be like, ugh. So I kind of like to have that energy moving. It's just how my brain works. And as far as the team goes, yeah, it's a lot more advanced. And I'd say the best way to kind of start with a team is build up something really, really well where you know how things run and you're confident with it. And somebody understands, like people are actively reaching out and they say, I want to be a part of this. How can I help? And if they have a chip on their shoulder and they really want to work hard and they get it, then that's really exciting because it can compound everyone's efforts. It can help everyone involved. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, if you, if you struggle with building a team, creating content is actually a really secret weapon of, of building a team is people that your best people to work for you are the ones who love your content the most, which is a weird thing. But I want to, I want to wrap this up and just say a couple of things. At the end of the day, one of my favorite mottos is done is better than perfect. And as as creatives, we deal with, I think a lot of us deal with perfectionism issues where we will, we refuse to release anything out in the world unless it's perfect. And I, I looked up the definition of prolific. You mentioned the word earlier and it's a word that's been in, on my mind lately. Prolific, and there's multiple definitions, but the one I want to zoom in on here is uh, prolific means present in large numbers or quantities, plentiful. And I feel like the people, like you said, the people who are most successful in business if content marketing is a, is a big part of their business, it's the ones who are prolific. They're the ones putting out the most stuff. They're plentiful. And those people are usually the ones who are okay with the most small errors. They're, they're like, I'd rather get it out in the world, even if it's imperfect, because to me, being prolific is the goal around content. And, and, and then the, the lower the bar, the, the lower the bar is to your content, the more you're going to put out and the more success you're going to see. The higher the bar you you have, the less content you're going to put out and the less success you're going to see. It's really weird. The more perfectionist you are, the less success you will have. And I, I feel like you you work the same way, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, don't think that everybody's eyes are going to be on you. Nobody's going to give a shit, probably. That's the realistic approach is no one will care. Yeah. And the thing is, if anybody cares, you've kind of done your job. I mean, the the hardest thing is to go from crickets to something going on. Just getting people to give a shit at all is a win. So I would just focus on kind of making a splash here and there as opposed to just staying silent and perfect by yourself. <laughs> yes. And and finally, like pick the medium that that is going to benefit your strengths the most and mitigate your weaknesses the most. So if like, if you are just awful at communicating vocally, a podcast is not for you. Probably not a YouTube channel. Maybe not even social media stories. Maybe you need to create content. Maybe you need to write more. Maybe you need to post photos with good captions on Instagram. Like pick one that matches your strengths. If you were a great photographer or videographer, then TikTok or Instagram is likely your area to be. But for me, like I love talking. 
I love talking to people. I love interviewing people. I love talking to my friends on, on a microphone. I got in trouble in school all the time for talking. So podcast makes the most sense for me. Yeah, I don't shut the f up. So it's like, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's it. anything, any final words here, Mark, before we send you off to your next thing that you're late to already? That's fine. You know, it's fine. But uh, yeah, I think that about sums it up. And, you know, another interesting thing is if, if you're ever scared of like the super artist types saying, oh, you're putting out all this content, you're a sellout. Andy Warhol has some great quotes. He said something along the lines of number one, art is what can be convinced. And he said, I think something along the lines of the greatest art is building a business or something like that. So, you know, if they want to talk shit, they're talking shit on Andy. And I think Andy's probably superior to the vast majority of your haters. So just keep it going. 